You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Just joining us, just getting in from school or from work. The deadline day deals other than Cristiano Ronaldo, which was confirmed today. Saul on loan with an option to buy. They've reached a deal, Chelsea have, with Atletico Madrid. Paperwork not yet in, but should happen. West Ham have got Nikola Vlasic from CSK in Moscow for up to $46 million. Leeds have bought Daniel James from Manchester United for up to $41 million. That happened today. Tottenham have got Emerson Royale, the right-back, from Barcelona for nearly $30 million. And Arsenal have brought in in the last hour Takahiro Tomiyasu, the Japanese international defender from Bologna, for $27 million. Brighton and Hove Albion. How's their summer looked? Well, lots of players, as you'd expect to go out, including for 70 million bucks. Ben White's gone to Arsenal. On the left, today they signed Abdallah Sima for $10 million, the forward, and Mark Kukurea, the defender slash midfielder, will call him $21 million, and a couple of others for an undisclosed fee as well. So, Robbie Earl, do mm. we feel they've covered the need for goals well enough with who they've brought in over the course of this summer? Well, the likes of Mbwepu and, and Kukurela, um, Kukurela's left-sided player who played in the Olympics, uh, likes to get forward. I think he'll enjoy working with Graham Potter. Mwepu is a midfield player who can go box-to-box. Box, so I think him and Ibasuma will, will be good. Um, it's a team that's always going to have to get goals from other areas of the pitch. Neil Mope started the season quite well. The two stars at the football club for me, Ibasuma is still there, and that's a bonus. And Graham Potter... Outside the top four, Rebecca, I would say Bielsa report, the best coach in the league for me. And I think he's destined for big things. And his ability to, to get his team to keep the ball, to create chances, to have good possession, I think sets them apart. Have they bought well enough for you? <sighs> They've got money on the table, haven't they? From that money from Ben White, which they haven't used. I get that. Cucurea, I did a lot of his games for Spain. Really good player. Like, comfortable on the ball, loves to get forward, he's got the big hair, looks the part. I think it's a, it's a position that they really needed. They've had all sorts of different yeah, players playing at left back and Solly March and even uh, Burn, Pascal Gross played there, Dan Burn. I just think they've lost some players, you know. They've lost David Proper, Matt, uh, Matt Ryan, Bernardo, as well as Ben White. And it's, that's quite a lot of experience at the dressing room. Um, I, I do like the manager as well. I just mm. think it won't be... It's not... A, they still might have a struggle. They might still have a look over the shoulder with the way that they play. If they can turn the possession, yeah. the lovely build-up play into more goals, of course, they'll be fine. I just, you know, it, wasn't, it was a little bit touch and go last year for them. Graham Potter's interesting because you hear a lot of ex-pros, and I've heard a lot, believe he should step into an Arsenal or a Spurs. And then you hear a lot who absolutely believe, well, no. I mean, he's, he's struggling to keep Brighton up year mm. after year. Where do you stand? I, I, I stand that not yet for those big clubs. I think why we all like him, Rebecca, because certainly me, you, you can see a pattern of play. You can see what he's trying to do. He, he makes the pitch huge. He, he, you know, the football is really, really good to the final third. And then it's not quite so great. He is absolutely on that path. But it's a little bit like Eddie Howe, isn't it? Eddie Howe kind of proved himself, was ready for the job and never really never got came. it. And then it kind of went downhill. So if it continues with him, if he finishes mid-table, top 10, then absolutely right. It's just that's not going to be easy this year for him. Think he's ready, or do you think a little a little more time? A little bit more time, but um, he's destined for big things, Rebecca. Better than Eddie Howe? Yeah, better than Eddie Howe for me. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Graham Potter and Brighton. Let's talk about Leicester City under Brendan Rodgers, of course, missing out for the second season running on that final day, a place in the top four. Otherwise, this graphic might look quite different. Um, on the left of your screen, you've got Vestergaard for $21 million, who came in from Southampton, amongst others. Adam Ola-Lukman today has come in on loan. Um, on your right of your screen, five have gone out, including Dennis Pratt today. Um, so we're going to take you live back to London and we're going to talk to David Onstein about Adam Ola-Lukman in just a second, but the latest on the Chelsea situation was Saul from Atletico Madrid, the midfielder. Any news on whether the paperwork has made it, David? The most important thing, Rebecca, for Chelsea fans is I'm assured it is a done deal and that Saul Niguez is going to be joining Chelsea on loan with an option to buy. There does seem to have been a bit of a problem with the paperwork and the 
system for processing these transfers in Spain. But I think those problems have been navigated and it will all be OK. Okay, good news. Good news for Chelsea fans. As soon as we get that double confirmation, we'll let you know. So Adamola Lookman arrives at Leicester. Really interesting. He was at Everton before, went to Leipzig, went on loan to Fulham. They went down. Now he's gone on loan to Leicester today. Tell us more. Yeah, so that's a really interesting signing. He did very well with Fulham. He's never really found his natural home, has he? We saw him come through with Charlton Athletic, spend time with Everton, uh, go out to RB Leipzig. It was a tough deal for Leicester to do because RB Leipzig's demands were pretty high, but they got it done. And he released a really nice statement on his social media. And I think that could be a partnership that works really well. It's a bit strange seeing a, a similar style of winger in Damari Gray leave Leicester just a year or so ago. He's now at Everton and former Everton player Lookman is now at Leicester. They've also done some really other, uh, really canny other business in terms of um, Bubakari Sumare coming in from Lille. He only had a year to go in his contract. It was around 30 million euros. And Patson Dacker up front from Salzburg. That's a really exciting one too. But perhaps the key thing for them was keeping hold of James Madison. There were rumours linking him with Arsenal. To my knowledge, he was never a top target of theirs. However, keeping hold of them is him is massive. Brendan Rodgers now needs to, I keep saying it, deliver, not fall out of the Champions League places and build on that FA Cup victory and fulfil the owner's uh, desire, which is to challenge at the top. Top, as his name is, uh, the owner, he has high expectations and it's up to Leicester to meet them. David, you read my mind. James Madison is exactly where I want to take this conversation mm. with Tim because Arsenal, we think, were sniffing around, as David said... But because of the way last season finished and he didn't make the England squad, he sort of, it all went a bit quiet, didn't it, around yeah. James Madison? Yeah, he's, excited. he's an exciting young player. He gets in those pockets. He links up really well with Jamie Vardy. And, and yeah, this is, this is one of those players we think now it's time for progression. Now we need to see more. More goals, more assists, more. He, he should be a player saying, I I'm playing every week. There's no way the manager's leaving me out. Speaking of the manager, breaking news, Brendan Rodgers heard Robbie Earl say that Grand Potter was the best manager outside the four, and he disagrees. One trillion percent disagrees. And, and, and he should, and he should. He, he, Brendan Rodgers has been brilliant. The planet, this football club, where sometimes they sell a top player almost year on year, on year and bring in players. Vestergaard, Bertrand, Lookman, those are Leicester players. I think this team, once again, and we know they missed out really late on last year, they will be pushing for that fifth or fourth spot somewhere in there because they're that good. And Jamie Vardy at some point has to stop scoring goals, but not this season. When you look at who they've brought in, mm. and David was, was great yeah. there on all the exciting yeah. different names they've brought in, and if Madison does what Tim wants him to do, yeah. can they do it? Or is this season going to be harder than last and harder than the season before? The Fafana injury was a blow at the start of the season. I know Vestergaard's come in and, and Brendan can work on things. Um, but there's enough talent and Tim's right, probably uh, apart from Bielsa and maybe Rodgers, I'd say Potter, but yeah, uh, Brendan Rodgers with his team. They've kept hold of people. This Patson Dak is an interesting one, Rebecca. 27 goals in 28 games, uh, Austrian player of the year. At some point when we say, you know, what's going to happen to Vardy, Ian Acho had a, a decent part of last season and maybe can come good, but Jack is a goal scorer and might just, you know, he's young, he, he can run the, the, the channels, he can hold the ball up and he can get goals. So I'm quite interested in Samari's another one who's in midfield. There's a certain profile now of a Leicester player, young, athletic, good technical, football IQ that Brendan Rodgers has and he's got a group of them now. And when you keep those players and as they grow and mature, then you've got to start making steps into the, the top four. Tim, do you think the size of the club suits Brendan Rodgers? Do you think they're matched in terms of the quality of each of them? Mismatched or matched? No, very much matched. I mean, look, I think that, I think that he does have the ability to... You know, coach at a higher level. call from Brandon. He said he's bigger than us, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he can coach at a higher level. But it does suit the club. But but I agree, he needs to now get into the Champions League and fulfil that. Do you see him with the qualities to be able to do that? Do you see him one day at, at an Arsenal or at a Manchester City? Yeah, I mean one, one day. But in terms of Champions League this year, I mean to your to your point earlier, I just don't. I think the league is too tough now. I think that top four is going to be solidified.
Robbie Musto, having come up yourself <coughs> with Middlesbrough twice. Three times, I think, Rebecca, actually. Sorry, three, three times time promotion. <laughs> Any relegations? No, just three <laughs> times promotion. Um, what's it like? Um, explain to us what's it like when you have that backing, that momentum, that following win. Yeah, it's kind of similar because, I mean, they've, they've had a season in their stadium, but we got promoted back in the top flight in the new stadium. And all I say is that the, the, the euphoria from promotion, the new stadium, the excitement, the new players, I've added a couple of players that were in the side, um, it keeps you going for months. It did with us. After Christmas, we, we, we struggled a little bit. But I think, you know, that's what I'm seeing right now. It reminded me of my time coming into the league with all the enthusiasm. Thomas Frank, bags of personality, bags of energy. I love what, what he's doing with the team right now. You've got a very smart owner that's spending money, by the way. $42 million his first season into this, this level, trying to find a way to stay in. We know it's a stats-based money ball approach to recruitment that's been brilliant even before this season, uh, finding talent. So... I think they've got a real good chance of staying up. And, and early signs, Rob, I've watched the team. Yeah. Strong mentality of, of two guys up front yeah. and strong mentality of defenders, Rebecca. They play three at the back. There's some experience back there and some tough uh, personalities. I think they're going to be OK. It's interesting, Thomas Frank, as you say, is a really good and interesting personality. Mm. The club structure, the way they run the club, so interesting. They're the only club in the Premier League, Tim, without an academy. They decided to get rid of the academy, save the money, because all that was happening was they were producing kids who were going off to Chelsea yeah. and Spurs. So they have a B team, which is different as well. Um, how do you like this sort of moneyball club and this Thomas Frank style of play? Well, I like it because it's been successful. Thomas Frank, he, he, he's open in the attack. And when we, see, when we see newly promoted teams who try and play football, oftentimes they suffer at the back. They haven't suffered at the back. As Robbie said, they played two up top, Tony and Mbomo. I just I look at them, I think they're tough. They're really, really tough. When I watch them play, they're getting shots away. Tony was a leading goal scorer last season in the championship. He scored some goals. You know, I think they have a really good goalkeeper in, in Raya. Mm. They just seem very settled. And the great thing for Brentford is we saw with Fulham last year. When are they going to get that first win? When are they going to get an opening, opening weekend? Bang, Arsenal. Yeah. Just one final point, Rebecca, is that I don't like to see teams get promoted and make a ton of changes. Mm -hmm. There isn't. This team is pretty similar. There's a couple of new players have come into the side. I just think that's such a difficult transition. Fulham, we just talked about them, struggled with, that with a couple of seasons of trying to find a new team to stay in the league. They're pretty consistent to last year right now. OK, they are really interesting. Now, Aston Villa uh, have had a very busy window, you have to say, and it all, of course, surrounded... Jack Grealish on the right of your screen, right at the top, who went out for $139 million. They spent some of that money before he went because they knew he was going and some afterwards. Emiliano Buendia, what a good player from Norwich. Leon Bailey, the Jamaican, I think I'm right in saying. Robbie yep. Earl, $42 million. Danny Ings, $35 million. Ashley Young, free. Axel Twanzebi on loan from Manchester United. So some very intriguing names. And we're going to go now back to David Ornstein um, in London at the Sky Sports Studios. For more on Aston Villa, David whose owners clearly very ambitious. They don't just want to finish mid-table, do they? I think there's a bit of a redressing of the balance in the Premier League here, Rebecca, because the Villa owners, Wes Edens and Nassif Suarez, they're very, very wealthy and they're willing to resist the overtures of the so-called biggest clubs for their players, unless in the case of Grealish, there's a release clause. And not only that, that they want to invest themselves and they want to quickly get up competitive and try and get towards European football. And that means that when Jack Grealish was on his way out, they wanted to rebuild with that money really quickly, efficiently. There were covert operations that were, that were going, none, none more so than Danny Ings, who nobody knew about until they announced the signing. Well, if I'm going to speak truthfully, I did. I nearly broke the story, but some things happened that meant I couldn't get it out. Anyway... Villa were so impressive there and it continues the trajectory that they're on as a club under Dean Smith as the manager who I do think will come under pressure if results don't come but hopefully for him they will because he's really impressive. They've had changes to his backroom staff as well but they seem to be doing okay so far. The chief executive Christian Perslow spoke publicly about how they really analysed how they could replace Grealish and what they decided to do was spread things out across the pitch in a way that they didn't do before so they are not now so reliant on Jack Grealish and that could be a significant risk you could say because he was so good for them but a pleasant departure because the responsibility will be on more heads and uh, I'm really excited to see what they can do but those owners at the top of the club they will be demanding and they'll want to see Dean Smith and those players deliver.
By the way, the fact that David Ornstein didn't break that story is the headline there, by the way, because he is the breaking is. news man over in the UK, and that's why he's our Premier League insider. You like the signings, Robbie L, don't you? I do. Um, I think it's always a difficult situation when you've got such a high-profile player like Jack Grealish who goes, and you have the money and you've got to spend it. It's a bit like the Gareth Bale money at Spurs. They've done a good job, Rebecca. It's a sneaky good window. I look through it. Ings was a great buy under the radar. Leon Bailey's a good player. Um, we've seen him in the Bundesliga. Buendia is a great pickup for, for Norwich. I said, you know, Arsenal were in for him and, and Villa got him. So they're doing it in different ways, and, and that's important. They're an ambitious um, ownership group, as, as David said. The other thing that I just thought I'd mention and come to my attention yesterday, that they also won the FA Youth Cup last season, and they've got some good young talent who I think they believe over the course of the season, we'll find a spot maybe in, in the first team at, at times. So, balance of good transfer activity, space for young players. It feels like a club that's going in the right direction and is heading towards the top half of the table and then the top six. That's important to know, the FA Youth mm. Cup, because that's held in such high regard yeah. um, in Britain. So, these owners and Dean Smith, <coughs> and I've heard other pundits and other journalists talk about that Dean Smith now, this season, really is going to be under a little bit of pressure because because as we heard there, David said, the, amb the ambitions of the owners are there for everyone to see. How do you see it, the dynamic? I don't see... I, I could be totally wrong. I don't think there is a lot more pressure on Dean Smith. I think there's been steady progression over the last couple of seasons. I think the squad has been getting steadily better. You sow your iconic captain and the team gets better. That's, that's good work. And, I, and I, I think that's the progression. Of course, they'll want to build on last season's 11th, I think it was, yeah. last season in the Premier League. Yeah. That's not going to be easy to do, given the changes. But I see a club that's absolutely moving in the right direction. Can you remember the Randy Lerner years, Rebecca? Mm. You know, and, and, the, and the toils of the fans having to deal with that. And then another owner came in that wasn't great. It is about ownership, the Premier League, and they've got two great ones that David talked about that want to put money in, and, they, and that's great news for Villa fans. You know what was interesting as well? I was looking back at it, Villa. Two seasons ago, Rebecca, they stayed up by one point last day of the season. Mm. It could have been very, very different, and they've stayed up, and they've used that as a platform to go on. Muta Sissoko, who played um, against Tottenham last weekend, was brought in, and, and that was a good buy, Tim. I know you liked, you liked Muta Sissoko, yeah. and that... And that um, purchase, how do you look at Watford? The amount that they bring in, the amount they... Mm. It's like the managers, in, out, in, out. It's, it's certainly an interesting... Model. Model, you know, that, that they have. I like Musa Sissoko, you know, coming in. He, he gives them a bit of experience in, the, in that midfield as he gets a little bit older. It's not a brilliant signing, but it certainly gives them some Premier League experience. Um, I think Saar up top will get his goals. You know, Dennis com coming in as a transfer, I think that's, that was also a good signing. I just think with, with, with Cisco Munoz, it's a little bit too cavalier and off the cuff. And when I watch them, I see some players pressing from different positions with really no trigger as a team to go press the ball. Um, they're a little bit too wide open. I don't think that at the back they're solid enough. They're a yo-yo club. They are a yo-yo club. And I, and I do. I worry for them this season. It's going to be a real struggle to stay up. I think they have to, I think they have to score bags of goals and hope they don't concede. And it's not really, they've not really seen that. And when we look at Watford, mm. we don't know whether Cisco Munoz is still going to be the manager in November or tomorrow, no. or because it's, they just change whenever they want to change. Musto's laughing because he's a big fan, by the way, of the <laughs> model. Did I say that? Did I say that? Not on this Putting club. words in my stay, mouth there, Rebecca. Right, this isn't yours. They're amazing. He's not on this club, so we're not going to get it's, it's opinion. Robbie, Rob please take way, it away. The way they run their business. Thank you, Rebecca. Lowe. Um, <laughs> I actually quite like Cisco Munoz. I like what he's bought. They look like they can be competitive. He's flexible with his systems. He'll work against the opposition. Interesting, this week of all weeks, this used to be almost like the, the Choydini club. And, and, and he's, he's now left the football club. And the likes of Saw, Hernandez and Dennis, who've come in at 23, 22 years of age. So he's lowering the age. Sissoko's a good buy in midfield who will bring a bit of stability and experience. And I think they can be competitive. I think this season they look like there's some learnings from last time. It was interesting that Sam Allardyce, we heard him on Sky talking about, sometimes though you can bring in too many players and it's hard to bring those personalities and characters and mould them together. That's again going to be a thing that we see so often at Watford. It hasn't necessarily done them that well in, in the past. I'm just hoping that Munoz can almost have his best 14, 15 players as a base and then bring into that. I'm hearing football fans dying across America wanting to hear what Robbie Musto has got to say about Watford because very quickly, Robbie Musto, and very quickly, please, but I would like your opinion on, on Watford because you're a fan, aren't you? Am I? 
No, I think you're a fan of the model. I don't mind the model of a lot of change and turnover. And it was doing great until the other season when they got relegated. I just look at the front line with Ismail Assar, Emmanuel Dennis and Josh King. That's got potential there. Now, I think they're going to struggle this season. You know, whether I like the the philosophy, but looking at the squad, what they did last season, what they've added, and there's always a bunch of players. And for us, it's difficult because after, you know, we need to see Watford after four or five, six games to get a feel for them because there's so many changes. So I know what you're saying, and and, and Gina Pozzo and the, the whole kind of their group of clubs, if you like, they do have access to a ton of players, but this season I think they will struggle. OK, maybe another club who might struggle. It's what everyone seems to think, and that's Southampton Football Club. And they've been busy as well, certainly in the outs column. Um, big big out has been both Danny Ings and Yannick Vestergaard. On the left of your screen, they've spent money, the biggest money, on Roman Perot, the fullback, and Adam Armstrong, who's definitely off the mark and done well. Tino Livramento, by the way, for £7 million, is catching the eye. I think Robbie Earl had him as his unsung hero of the week. Um, he's a fullback as well. Valentino Livramento sounds um, continental, but isn't. Um, born in Croydon, yeah. South London, which is just brilliant. Um, let's go back to David Ornstein in our Sky Studios, because it's so interesting, this, David. Everyone is predicting Southampton are going to struggle. They haven't done enough. Ralph Hasenhurtl hasn't done enough as the manager. What, what do you think the perception of this Southampton team is? Well, their demise has already been written by half of the world's football audience, And I think they would like to counter that popular narrative. And they did somewhat within this transfer window itself. It looked like it was all going away from them when Danny Ings moved from Southampton to Aston Villa um, for a big fee. And it didn't seem that was a fee that they would have got for him with a year to go on his contract. He was holding out for one of the biggest clubs. However, they managed to, and they reinvested it wisely in Adam Armstrong, who scored immediately away to Everton. Yes, they lost that match, but they've settled with a draw against Manchester United, a draw against Newcastle, a win in the League Cup. And they've embarked upon this really interesting project, which is actually going back to Southampton's roots, their DNA, which is acquiring young talent, blending them with their own homegrown young talent and a sprinkling of experienced players as well. So if you look at that deal for Liveramento, £5 million from Chelsea, yeah, they have a buyback clause and they may well take it up in the future, but he is some talent and I think that's going to be seen as a bit of a snip. You look at the others, Brojo also on loan from Chelsea, Perro, Walcott originally at the start of the window, Lianco, and we said they're Armstrong. Ralph Hasenhutl, three years left on his contract, good project there. The chief scout, Martin Glover, the chief executive, Martin Simmons, Mr Gao at the top, the Chinese owner. I think they could confound a few people here. Don't write them off entirely. They're swimming against the tide, but I think they can do it. Robbie Musto, have you written them off? Uh, have I written them off? Not totally, but I think, I think they will struggle. And David makes some really valid points, and I think people admire clubs that go for young talent and try and develop them. They've lost some really important players from last season, Rebecca. And going into the start of this season, you know, I, I wrote down, like, five wins in 2021. It's still five wins in 2021. I, I always do look at the last season, how they ended, and have they bought enough talent? And I know there's some young players and the two young fullbacks that have played. I've looked pretty good, but it's a long season in the Premier League. We all know that. Um, Adam Armstrong, if he can continue... He looks sharp. He looks pretty good. If he and Shea Adams can link together and score regularly, of course they can stay up. But that's a big if. And we haven't seen many championship strikers come and get a lot of numbers in terms of goals, to do that. So I think, admirable what they're doing. I just think this season might be the season. Again, they've made... They've got... They've, they've got They've received more money than they've spent. So there's, there, there's rumours that they're trying to sell the football club. Mm. I think it could be a difficult season, yeah. Tim Howard, are you positive, negative, or somewhere in between for Southampton? Nowhere in between. I'm negative. You, you three are, are from there. I lived in England for 13 years, and I'm glad that the sun shines brighter on the South Coast because if I'm a, if I'm a Southampton fan, I mean, every single player, they, they just leave to illustrate that. Danny Ings. Danny Ings was holding out for Champions League football. You know where he went? Aston Villa, like he thought Aston Villa was a, was a, a better, more promising club. I, I like Adam Armstrong from Blackburn. I think, he, I think he's better than I thought he was. Liveramento was good business. But holding on to James Ward-Prowse, yeah, he's, he's, he's the crown jewel in that team. But like other than that, I think Walcott's aging, Romeo's aging. I don't think that this club, I think they're in big trouble. I do. I think, I think like Watford, they're in trouble. Did you ever see the sun when you were in Liverpool? <laughs> no, no. Very rarely. I didn't even draw the curtains in the morning. I knew, yeah. what, I knew what the weather was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Ralph Hasenhurtl, 
Where are we with him as a manager? Because it feels to me, Robbie Musso, that sort of in a sections of season, we think he could get a big job at Chelsea and apparently he felt like he could. And then in other sections, usually after a 9-0 defeat, we think, oh, maybe we've got him wrong. Yeah, Where are difficult. we? Well, you know what? I, I watched the pre, a pre-match press conference, I think the week before last. He looked really down. Mm-hmm. And it was a moment where I think, you know, he's trying to bring in new players. Again, he's, he's answering questions about Danny Ings leaving the football club. I hope it doesn't bring him down too much. We know that he's a very emotional coach. We saw that from both sides, both types of emotions from him I just wonder whether he's got enough kind of get up and go to go again and try and confound people like us that they might get relegated Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Roy Hodgson left Crystal Palace at the end of last season, of course, and they had many players out of contract. So it's been a busy summer, as expected. Uh, plenty in. Today, Odson Edouard from Celtic, the striker. Decent goal record. He's got $25.5 million. This is a lot of money in the left-hand side of your screen for a number of players that Steve Parrish has spent. Doesn't always spend a lot of money every summer, but they had to. They had a lot of work to do. And, of course, it's now all under the management of one Patrick Vieira. Back to David Orstein at Sky Sports. And, David... Patrick Vieira, it's a little bit like at Spurs. He didn't seem to be their first choice. So how did they come to employing Patrick Vieira in the end at Palace? Rebecca, this is such an intriguing time for Crystal Palace because they had an opportunity, like so few clubs in Premier League history have had, a manager coming to the end of his tenure and also a playing squad with about 12 senior members out of contract. So it was terrifying, but also a great chance as well. Patrick Vieira was a gamble. He hadn't managed in England before at a senior level anyway. He came from New York City FC and then Nice. Steve Parrish, the chairman and co-owner, he did want proven experience within the Premier League. But he got that in the form of a former player, a legend of Arsenal, of course, and Manchester City. He played there too. And he embarked upon this project. Look at the names there. Now, one thing Arsene Wenger used to say is too much change, too many players in and out could be disruptive and dangerous. But Palace had no choice. And I think the work that Steve Parrish, his American co-owners, there's a new American investor, John Texter, and crucially, the sporting director, Dougie Freeman, have done is really impressive. They've given Patrick Vieira the tools. They've backed him handsomely. And now he's going to have to get results on the pitch because we saw with Frank de Boer in the past, when it doesn't work at Crystal Palace, they will act quickly. This is a club that have a great catchment area, great young players, some good experienced players now, some to come back from injury, a new stand they want to build, a new training ground with Category 1A status. I think this is a very exciting time if you're a Palace fan. And I think, thank you, David, I think the Palace fans are also excited by the fact that they have needed a striker, Robbie mm. Earl, for a yeah. long, long time, arguably for five or six years, actually. Um, one who's going to get regular goals. Now, mm. from Celtic today, we saw him on the graphic, $25.5 yeah. million, Odson Edward. Have they got their man? Patrick will believe so. He'll have looked around. Um, everything looks good. You're back a good age, good goal-scoring record, albeit not in the Premier League. I can't remember a, a 15 Premier League goal season player for... Crystal Palace since he'd been in the Premier League. 
Brenteke, we saw Wilf come up with 11 from a wide position. But this central position is key. There's a lot of other changes within this football club in terms of personnel and also the style of play. Patrick now wants them to have the ball and be more possessive than the, the Roy Hodgson team. My worry for Patrick is the most important thing he's got to do now at the start of his career is win football matches. The process, the development, the work on the training ground and all those other things are important. But the most important thing is to win enough football games that the fans buy into you, the players buy into you, and the ownership group believe you're going in the right direction. And he hasn't yet won no. a football match. For Palace fans, talking about the goal ratio for Odes and Edouard from Celtic today, 86 goals in 179 appearances. In the Scottish Premier League, it's a different level, we know that, but it's a very good ratio. It's basically one in two. What concerns you about Palace? Um, well... Like David said, I think the amount of change going on at one time is concerning. Um, I think we've already seen a little bit. It's going to be more of an expansive uh, playing style from Crystal Palace, which the fans have wanted, but we've seen this before. It's such a difficult balance to try and get right. I'm worried about central defence. Joachim Anderson uh, from William, but it was at Fulham last season, relegated, struggled at times with the, with the division. Mark Guyer, 21 years of age from Chelsea. Again, a huge step up for him to be a centre-back at this level. If it's going to be a bit more expansive, and I kind of think that the attacking players of Palace, when I look down at the roster, I think they've got some talent. That concerns me less than if you're going to try and show us that, Crystal Palace, then defensively you've got to have players that can handle some counter-attacks or 1v1s. And I don't know yet. You know, it's a new look back four for Crystal Palace. And, you know, so far, not too bad. They've had a couple of clean sheets. They've conceded two goals. That's my concern. Centre-back over a long, such a difficult season with the forwards that's in this league. Can they be strong enough defensively to give them a platform to win games we with the scores? We were talking hung on to Gary Cahill. Just experience yeah. his know-how, just to sit there for 12 months with Becky, I think he would, he would have been worth it. One word answer, gut instinct, Patrick Vieira's success or not? No. 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 Wow, Palace fans, there you go. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Sorry. support in the studio for Padre Vieira. Right, Leeds United, always a really good story. We said, of course, that Daniel James has come in today for up to $41 million, so Marcelo Bielsa has brought in him. Jack Harrison, they finally got him permanently for $15 million. Plenty out the door the other way as well, including uh, in the last hour or so. Helder Costa has left on loan. He is the forward, and he has now uh, left the club as well. Tim Howard. Second season for Leeds United. We all loved them mm. last year. So as you look ahead to the next 10 months, what's their biggest challenge? Well, that's simple. Uh, they are so fun to watch. Uh, they, I think defensively, they, they aren't, there's not a resoluteness or a stoutness about them. They're just too open. They can lose 5-1 or they can win 4-3. It does... They, they don't, it almost seems to not care, which is that's a terrible criticism, because I do think the players care. They, mm -hmm. they, they put so much effort in. When you look at the, the Premier League defensively, you have Liverpool who do it a certain way. They press from the front. You do Chelsea, who have these two banks of four who, who they press the ball out of, out of that shape. You have Burnley who just say, anybody and anyone in a claret shirt is just going to get a block on the ball. So you can defend in different ways. I don't think that, that Leeds defend properly. I, I do love the fact that they got Daniel James, and I think even at 40 million, that's a really good signing. Bamford will get his goals this year, getting Jack Harrison in permanently, a guy who knows the system. I do. I think, I think they're exciting to watch. I think they'll finish higher up the table than they did, but I'm just not sure that they can take that to the next level if you don't defend properly in the Premier League. Patrick Bamford is on England duty right now. He got his first England call-up last week, and he's talked mm. today to Talk Sport Radio in the UK about Daniel James, saying, I hope he yeah. chips in <laughs> with some assists. Do you like that signing? Absolutely. It's a perfect fit for uh, Leeds. I think he, should, he was going to go there before with Swansea, and then now the deal comes. I think working with Bielsa will, will make him a better player. We've seen the rise of Calvin Phillips, the growth of Patrick Bamford. I think Daniel James will enjoy being a bigger part of things, playing on a regular basis, learning with Bielsa. The goals against is a bit of an issue. 54 goals, I think, they conceded last season. That was more than Fulham, who got relegated. Mm -hmm. Eight already this year. And I know Bielsa at the start of the season said he was working on things like the defending, but wanted to improve and wanted to get better and wanted to build. And I know a few people have said, well, they haven't really had the energy so far this season. We haven't really seen the spark that we did last year. I still think it'll come. I think it's a good group of players. And a bit like Tim, I, I expect them to do as well as they did last season. Second season syndrome we saw very much with Sheffield United. Yeah. Are you nervous that would afflict them? And then they're not going to sink like a stone. Bielsa is a vaccine to that. He, he 
just isn't going to allow it, Rebecca. We know how they train. We know his tactical way he sets his teams up. When, when they hit their, hit their form, it's been a, a bit of a different start with some of the international players coming back and getting out. Once he gets back to, to business, they'll be fine. To be fair, we said it again about Sheffield United. <laughs> they didn't get a second yeah. season. So can't they, didn't always the, they didn't have the Elsa, by the way. I know. I know. That's Chris Wilder. Yeah. That's true. OK, Burnley. Burnley Football Club, we finished just above the relegation zone last season, but they survived. That's all that's important. They've spent some money as well. Today they've brought in Connor Roberts for $3.5 million. He's a defender. Nathan Collins, also a defender for $17 million. And just last week, Maxwell Cornet for $18 million. Now, that is a lot of money spent by Sean Dyche. He isn't always allowed the checkbook. And when you look at this squad, Robbie Musto, what is your first thought when you think about Burnley? Uh, amazing they've changed the team and they've spent some money. Amazing. Like, they would so rarely buy new players. Like, your analogy with David Moyes, Sean Dyche is like, they've got to be a certain personality. Mm-hmm. Cornet's got Champions League experience. Mm-hmm. Champions League experience player playing for Burnley uh, down the left-hand side uh, and then a new addition to the right-hand Robert's side as well, Robert. So, yeah, they're going to be super careful bringing them into the side. I've said it before about this team, it's ageing badly, really, really ageing squad, so this helps that. But I think we wanted to see it. You know, new ownership talked about we're going to support Sean Dyche in the market. The first window that went, they did hardly anything at all. So this is finally... I mean, Premier League clubs make some money. There's a lot of money to be had by being in the league. I think everybody wants to see clubs spend a little bit to try and improve their squad. I think I'm right in saying Sean Dyche is heading into the final year of his contract. Um, Are you surprised that nobody has come in for what people do see as a very safe pair of hands? Yeah, No, I'm not not surprised because he's comfortable at at Burnley, and I mean that in the best possible way. Robbie Earl always says, in Dyche we trust, it's exactly... It's exactly that. The fans love him. He's comfortable there. The players clearly have bought into everything that he says, rightfully so. He only brings in football players into that club that he knows he can trust. Look, I, I, like, I like to look at this team. They, they finished 17th last year. I think they'll finish higher than that for sure. They get in the face of, of the, the big teams. Turf Moor is a tough place to go, and I think they'll win, they'll win games along the way against teams who are, you know, around about where they are. They, I don't, I don't. I worry that they bring in too many players with Champions League experience and all that kind of thing. That's not who Burnley is. And, and, and if you try and change that too much, then the results could change as well. You've got to get a bit better quality over time. Mm. You've, got to, mm. you've got to kind of progress it a little bit. Yeah. It catches up with you in the end. If not, it not does, but this is, this is I, think, I think Burnley Football Club are happy to be what they, they've done. They've had a sustained long run with a really good, good manager for them in the Premier League. That's success mm. for, for a football club of that size. Mm. Okay, well, he's the longest-serving manager in the Premier League, is Sean Dyche. And, David, am I right in saying he's now begun the final year of his contract? Bring us up to date with Sean Dyche. You are absolutely right. He is out of contract next summer. However, there is another contract on the table for Sean Dyche if and when he wants to sign it. And sources have indicated to me that he probably will. Why? Because he has never been so powerful. He is now being backed by the ownership, the new American investors, and he earns great money there. It's no secret that Sean Dyche would have entertained a challenge elsewhere. I'm not sure which clubs would want him in terms of his style of football or would be prepared to pay him. So in that sense, everything suits him at Burnley. He's going to continue moulding this squad and no doubt continue keeping them in the Premier League. Robbie Earl, are they weaker today than they were last season? Um, weaker? No, not necessarily weak. I suppose Joe Willock in is good business. But he was uh, there last season. He was there, um, but he's goals and he's there playing now, which I think is important. Um, Callum Wilson fit, sent Maximum in the team, Willock. Then took the Almirons and players like that. It could be reasonably exciting, the back. It's just you feel with, with um, Steve Bruce... The balance doesn't seem right, that he, he's scared to let them go. And because he's scared to let them go, they don't get results, the fans are getting on his back, and it's like an ever-going circle that we, we're back in again. There's always this shadow over Newcastle United Football Club. And I'm afraid either until the ownership changes or possibly Steve Bruce changes his style, we're going to get that way. It was interesting I heard Callum Wilson say that Graham Jones has been a good addition as his assistant, he's, bought a, he's updated the tactics and he brought something fresh to the group. Just wonder if he might have a bigger role to play going forward. Well, Graham Jones has today stepped down from his assistant's role to mm. Gareth Southgate in the mm. England setup in order to concentrate on being Steve mm. Bruce's assistant. It must be frustrating, Robbie, that they buy the likes of St Maximin, Joe Willock, Miguel Almiron, Callum Wilson, and yet Steve Bruce, as Robbie said, 
doesn't let them go. It, well, he, 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 he does. And last season, when he did, when they were all fit again, they looked great. And the fans were... But he doesn't always. It. But he doesn't always do it. And if there's a difficult opponent or if he has a couple of bad results, he goes back to the norm, which is uber-conservative and super safe and people behind the ball. They've got enough time. I'm kind of same thoughts as Robbie on this. It's not a lot. Newcastle United don't spend much money. Joe Willock's a really good signing, scored important goals last year. Let them, let them play a little bit. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that they're all fit right now. Mm -hmm. That's There's some good talent there, and it's up to the manager to play this squad to its best kind of potential, and that is to be expansive and play. And that's what the Newcastle United fans ever want, just to have a go and be expansive and trust your attacking players more. And it's early season. He can do that. He can absolutely do it. The, back in the stadium, it makes it even more important, doesn't right. it? When the fans aren't in, you can get away with it a little yeah. bit. When the fans are back now, they won't put up with it. And, and that's right. And if things don't go well, you know, there's no wiggle room for him and it's gonna, it could get ugly again for him, which I think is probably how it's going to go. And that's the shadow, as you say, that is always cast over St James's Park, certainly while Steve Bruce is in charge and while Mike Ashley is the owner. Wolverhampton Wanderers, ins and outs. Plenty of outs and they've made some money as well. On the left of your screen, a few ins as well. One of the most interesting ones is Francisco Trincao on loan, the forward we've seen him play already so far this season. Because when we've seen them play under Bruno Large, um, they've looked really good. They've just lost three games in a row by a goal to nil. They have, though, managed to keep hold of David Onstein, Adama Traore. So that's a win. Rebecca, you just gave us the good performances, the bad, the results. And I'm going to give you the good in the recruitment department, and the bad as well. Let's start with the good. Adama Traore is staying at Wolves, and that's a huge coup for a player who a year ago may well have left. He wasn't that important to them under Nuno Espirito Santo. Now under Bruno Lage, he's their most important player, and Tottenham wanted to sign him. While we've been on air, I've broken the story that Tottenham submitted a £30 million bid for Adama Traore yesterday. It was rejected. They did not come back in today with another offer and Wolves kept their key man. They would have wanted around £50 million for him today if that was going to happen. And although he only has two years left on his contract and there is no progress yet in talks over a new deal, he is in the form of his life at 25 years old, a Spain international, and they will be delighted. They also kept Ruben Neves, of course, but they didn't bring in a striker, which they were trying to do tonight, and they didn't bring in a central midfielder. I also broke the news that Bubakari Kamara from Marseille was their target. They made an offer to Marseille, and Kamara decided to reject both that offer and one from Newcastle to stay at Marseille. Three defeats, as you say, so there is going to be a lot of pressure on Large and also on George Mendes, the super agent who has such influence in the Wolves' recruitment operation. I think this is a real test of that ownership under Fosun, Mendes's influence and a new manager. Doesn't look great, it must be said, so far in terms of results, but as you pointed out, the performances are there, so they will be optimistic it could turn. What an interesting nugget there mm. from David. Mm. So yesterday he said that Spurs came in with £30 million, which is about $41 million, for Adama Traore. Wolves said no. Spurs did not come back. They kind of wanted him that much then. Apparently not. And it makes you, it makes you wonder if, if that was Nuno going to, to the board at Tottenham and saying, go get my man, and then saying, OK, we'll give, it a, we'll give it a try. But listen, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant that Wolves were able to keep him because he's been in better form this season than, I, than I've seen him over the last two years. And... You know, okay, we know his finishing isn't brilliant, but just his ability to get on the ball more, and he's he's kind of the focal point. On the other side, I look at Trincao from Barcelona. I I was blown away by him. I mean, he skipped past Fred like he was in quicksand, you know. And then luckily there was a goal line clearance. But I'd say what he's he looks really really good. And then obviously under under Laj, it's different. You know, you talk about the the reins being on with. With Nuno, this is open. This is expansive. 57 shots on target. Okay, no goals. There's an issue there. But, I mean, they are they are going for it. They are really, really going for it. My one concern is Raul Jimenez. I, I just, he doesn't seem to be picking up the positions that I saw last year. And look, rightfully so. It was a horrific head injury. But this is a guy who scores his goals right between the posts, on the six-yard box. And he, he seems to be drifting out wide into areas where he wouldn't maybe get a lot of contact. And so that's something to keep an eye on. That is, and maybe it will take him some time, or yeah. maybe he's haunted. Who knows? What yeah. do you think, Earl? Um, 
I agree with Tim. We were watching the game at the weekend and doesn't quite look himself. He just needs that first goal, Rebecca, mm-hmm. and that will take a lot of the, the strain and the mental pressures maybe that he's going through. It's important, Chayroy was, was important business to keep hold of him. Uh, as, as Tim said, he, he started the season well. We see he was a real threat to Manchester United, made a couple of great passes that people should have done better with. Um, I can see why Nuno would want him, though, in the Spurs what team. What do you think of the price, $41 million? If your Wolves, was that not, clearly not, nowhere near? Not, not enough, because he's, he's so important to what Wolves mm-hmm. do. Right. He's such a big, important part. And Bruno Large is, hasn't got points yet and, and hasn't got the wins that he'd want, but I think he's made a favourable impression with these Wolves fans. Mm-hmm. And I think over time, once the first win comes, I think they're, they're going to be OK. There's a lot of worry about, you know, with changes of that football club with Nuno going and players mm-hmm. not being there, but they look like they're in good hands. And Trincao, look, he's a proper player, by the way. Yeah, as Tim side. said, blew him away, yeah. They've got to get the first goal and then they've got to get mm-hmm. the first win. So maybe after the international break, that will come for Wolves under Bruno Large. Norwich City... <coughs> Ins and outs for them. Now, this is interesting, Robbie Musto, because when we look at this graphic, it's a whole lot busier in terms of money spent than it was last time Norwich came up. And I know you understand the structure of the club Mm. and you understand the way they do business and the way that they don't mind. I mean, they don't want to go down, but if they do go down, they like to have structured the club well enough to come back up and give it another go, which is now what's happened. They've come back up. They've now spent a little bit more money. How are you enjoying the kind of business they've done? Well, they haven't actually spent any money, really, because they've received it all from Buendia. So they sold, True. to back to your point, they got 50 million, $54 million in from Buendia, best player from last year, got 15 goals, I think, in the championship, and they sell him. I don't mind a club that's financially careful. Um, I think the fans would love to see him go for it a little bit more. All I would say is, and this is, this is uh, Norwich City right now, there's some interesting signings on that list. There's interesting players. Josh Sargent is going to be interesting, so he does in, mm. in the Premier League. Brandon Williams, the fullback from Manchester United, has gone there. Oh, and Quebec, who was at Liverpool last year as a central defender. Rashidska, the new winger that they brought in to replace Wendy. So there's interesting players there. I'd like to send a, few, a bit more spent on that left-hand side of that, that chart, but... You know, it's the way they do it. And listen, a lot of other clubs kind of financially risk their futures a little bit at times. Norwich don't. I just don't see it being successful again this mm-hmm. season with the way that they play. But there's some good players to watch out for. Goals. Pemu Puki was the man a couple of years ago, but he couldn't do it by himself. This season, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, they struggled. I mean, last time they were Premier League, they struggled scoring goals. I think bringing in Josh Sargent from Werder Bremen, yeah, it's, it looks a good signing. Do you think Once he can he- do it in the Premier League, Tim? I do. I think he can. Ten goals? I, I, yeah, I think he can. If he, but he has to get a run of games, right? So that means he's got to get, get in, he's got to settle down, he's got to train well. Look, I'm going to contradict myself, contradict myself a little bit here. With Watford, they're a yo-yo club, but it just seems like there's so much turnover there. that They'll sack a manager tomorrow if they need to. This seems a little bit more stable, as Robbie said. They're not it's planned going, yo-yo. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, right? They, they, know they, they know they may go down, but they're not going to overspend, but they're going to do it just enough so they set themselves up to come back up. So, look, Farka, I think, is a good manager. He, he understands the club. Look, I like Billy Gilmore. I think that's a good signing. Can it all kind of come together? Can they find the goals and have enough determination and togetherness to try and keep it out at the other side. Do you want to see some lessons learned by Daniel Farker this season? Yes, and that would be team balance. That would be sometimes you have to defend with more players behind mm-hmm. the ball and accept that sometimes. I think the players that are there from the last time in the Premier League would have to have learned from their experience, and so that might help them with the players that we've talked about. They've got a chance, but you're right, Daniel Farker. Come on, sometimes you've got to dig in a little bit. And I just worry, if they haven't got in, that in the locker, then it goes back to the reliance on their, their, their really good football, which they always show us in the championship, but not so much in this, at this level. Let's bring you those deadline day deals, how it all ended up. Cristiano Ronaldo, it was made official today from Juventus back to United for $27 million. Chelsea have brought in Saul on loan from Atletico Madrid with an option to buy. West Ham have got Vlasic, Nikola Vlasic for $46 million from CSK Moscow. Arsenal have got Takahiro Tomiyasu for $27 million. He's a defender, Japanese international. And Leeds have brought in Daniel James for up to $41 million from Manchester United. Those are the top lines. To take you back, he's been with us for three hours. What a sterling job he has done. His first transfer winner, Deadline Day show for us here on NBCSN. David Onstein, your final thoughts of the day, if you please. Rebecca, Tim, the two Robbies, I think if we throw our minds back to 2020, the pandemic was really taking grip and the market was depressed even more so in January of 2021. 
But things changed in the summer of 2022. We saw some really big deals. We saw clubs almost taking advantage of this ongoing pandemic-affected market to steal a march on their rivals. And we saw the top clubs in the Premier League, Manchester City, Chelsea and Manchester United, almost embarking upon something of an arms race. And the clubs just behind them, the likes of Arsenal, Tottenham, doing as much as they can to grab onto the coattails of those biggest clubs. So we saw some extraordinary deals, of course, like Jack Grealish, like Cristiano Ronaldo and so many more. Besides, we also saw a lot of near misses in terms of Harry Kane, the most notable example. Um, And so when you come to think of it here, it's a really interesting time in the market. There are squads that have a lot of players who are not playing. We have a lot of contract terminations. We have Liverpool taking a different approach with renewing contracts instead of buying players. But we have a recovering market with fans coming back into stadiums and that's breathing life into football and into the transfer window as well. And it sets up a fantastic summer of 2022 when we could see the likes of Mbappe on the move, Haaland on the move, just to whet the appetite. Oh, brilliant (laughs) stuff. David Ornstein, thank you so much. Go take a break during the international break. We will see you back here on NBCSN in around 10 days' time. It's going to be the longest international break ever waiting for Cristiano Ronaldo. But thank you and have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for having me. Brilliant stuff, as ever, from our Premier League Mm. insider. So, here we are, chaps. Mm -hmm. The window is done. Everyone's got their men or haven't got their men. What is your biggest reflective thought, Robbie? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts. Uh, The first one being is that our Premier League that we love so dearly just got better. Mm -hmm. It's a better-looking top four. Uh, Ronaldo coming into league is phenomenal. One of the best players that's ever played this sport is in our league. Lukaku's come back to Chelsea. And on the second point, follows on from that, is that Harry Kane, we talked about him earlier in the show, not getting that move to City. Mm. That's kind of helped the title challenge. Because if it had gone to City, tough. 12-point gap last year for City. And now with Lukaku at Chelsea, with Ronaldo, with Sancho, Manchester United, with Liverpool, with those defenders coming back from, uh, from injury, it's going to be a fascinating, I believe, title race. Tim, you think it'll be a three-horse race, which would be amazing, because we've yet yeah. to have that uh, yeah. on NBC. We don't get many two-horse races, mm. it has to be fair. What are your final reflections? Well, you know, looking at the North London teams, Arsenal and Tottenham getting nowhere near the top four, which is, you know, going to be a, a surprise and probably not fun for their, for their fans. But look, I, Ronaldo and, and Lukaku going home again. I, it's, hard to, it's hard for me to say it, it's, it's easy to go home again. It's not. But these seem like great fits. And then for Ronaldo really to come out of nowhere, it's going to be so awesome. Rob? Chelsea, transfer business 101. You get your main striker, you get an insurance policy in midfield and you still make money. Manchester United were second last season. You had Varane, you had Sancho, you had Ronaldo. What's going to come? And here's my big headline, Rebecca. Uh Harry Kane scores a winning goal for Spurs. They win the title. Daniel Levy's on his back and they lift the Premier League title. I mean, I thought we got through... I thought we got through three hours (laughs) without romantic romantic robbing. You know romantic's going to come. Harry Kane wins wins the the title title for Spurs. And he has Daniel Levy on his back and they walk around... If that isn't a mic drop, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. Don't forget on Peacock throughout the international break, you can watch all our original series, plus around the clock Premier League channel as well to make sure you stay up to date with the latest news. And we'll be back with you on Saturday, September the 11th, when we may well see a certain Cristiano Ronaldo make his second debut for Manchester United. They play Newcastle 10 Eastern on the Saturday on USA. From the two Robbies, Tim, David and myself, Rebecca Lowe, hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.